Welly, welly, well, guess who is back? It is I, random voice on the internet, who you listened to like six months ago and nothing since. Hey, <laughs> nice to see you all again. I know you're like, what? This person actually came back? I thought they were gone forever. And to that I say, yeah, you were right in thinking that. <laughs> yeah, mostly I just kind of d- did a thing where I didn't do anything for a while. And I mean, I had good personal reasons, which I won't get into because you all don't need to know my business. No, it's fine. You can, I mean, you can't, I've shared a lot about myself personally already on this weird podcast voice thing I'm doing. Uh, so it's not exactly, you know, irrational to share literally everything at this point. Um, uh, I should mention because I like to maintain a pretense of professionality that you'll notice that my audio is probably going to suck more now. And that's because I actually don't have a microphone anymore to record on because I am in a situation where that is not available. And I shall let that mystery uh, hint at itself in your brains. You know, don't worry, I'm quite all right. But it is it is the current state of things. That I do not have, that I can only give you shitty phone sounds. And you know what? I've, and that's why I was like, for a long time, I was like, eh, maybe I won't start the podcast again until I have a microphone again. But then I was like, you know, maybe I don't really care because this is mostly just my therapy towards me that I'm weird enough to share with strangers on the internet. So maybe I don't give a shit. Maybe not. Yeah, no, that that was my conclusion anyway. But yeah, yeah. So how have you all been? Well, I would hope. I've been I've been swell. I've been alright. I've been reflective, I should think, these last couple months. I've uh, I kinda kinda went on a bit of a journey of there are times in life, I think, when one must face the past. And it is not always a thing done, really, I don't think it's ever a thing done lightly, because the past holds in it many ghosts, many scars, many old things that I think we all wish we could forget. Uh, And I'm currently on my journey with that right now, where I'm sort of looking back into the, the shadows of who I used to be and trying to sort of figure out who I'm going to be and how I'm going to meet those two people in the middle, you know. And it's weird because I can kind of, you're, you know, it's like, you ever, like there are times in life when I think you kind of feel stuck. But right now it's kind of weird because I can think I kind of, it's kind of good for me to be stuck right now because it's kind of forcing me to do something and things internally that I need to do. And that's pretty cool. So it's like, yay. The universe was like, hey, sit the fuck down and do some self-therapy, you weirdo. And I'm like, okay, universe, that's fair. I'll, I'll trust you on that. <laughs> so that's that's what I've been up to. You know, um... Very precisely, you know, I kind of went through an experience recently where I basically kind of like, I kind of actually did this and I kind of, now that I, when I say it out loud, it sounds absolutely insane, 
but I kind of know it was the right decision because I it doesn't sound insane to me when I say it. I can just like logically conclude that this is going to sound insane. I, I, I basically gave up all of my like physical possessions. Like technically, technically, I'm homeless right now. And don't worry, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm with my family and they like feed me and give me a roof over my head and stuff. So I'm fine. But like, I kind of like just quit my job and then I was, because uh, I said a lot of this in my last couple recordings and then I just didn't work and I still haven't worked in like seven months and I've kind of just been working on not dying and writing. Uh, I'm writing a new book, which I want to finish, but also I have been kind of procrastinating finishing the ending. I got like 70,000 words so far, so, you know, it's it's fine. I've, but like, I've been working on it since March, which is pretty, and it's going to be like 100,000, so that's pretty good, honestly. Like, you know, I'm not George R. R. Martin where I take 40 years to write 10 words, but, you know, I... Um, it is still writing a fantasy book is challenging because my last book was, you know, it was, it was very much conceptualization of my own internal experiences throughout my life in the form of a sort of poetic memoir. Whereas this is more of a, my take slash my relationship with fantasy, the genre of fantasy and how it relates back to me personally. And then sort of relating that back into a narrative storyline. So it's a really cool book. Um, I'm proud of how it's coming out so far. I just need to like figure out the ending because endings are hard because it's going to be kind of an anticlimactic thing, but kind of like a, like, Oh wow, look at this. There's a rat person and there's a dragon person. I do all kinds of things. Those are sort of spoilers right there for random book that you don't know the name of. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically what I've been doing. Uh, I I basically kind of did a hard reset on my life. I kind of was like, you know what? Here's all my plans. Here's all the material things I've gained so far. And I just kind of got rid of everything and kind of went back to square one. And... It's been pretty awesome, actually. It feels really good to just let go of all the things that kind of tie you down to the world, you know, and just kind of ex like let yourself. It's good to come to a point in your life when you allow yourself to realize that the only thing you really, really need is you and that's it and th those sound like nice words and they sounded like nice words to me before i did it and then i realized they aren't they aren't just nice words they're something very important that can be lived to to a very extreme extent it's it's fascinating you know, essentially every, I think, you know, happiness is 
This is not something I pretend to fully understand yet, but I think peace, um, the kind of inner peace that I think people search for a lot day to day, is not something you find unless you have basically nothing to distract you. Um, I think it has, you know, I think we all desire that kind of calm that sort of settles, you know, like in the chest, you know, that kind of calm where it's like you can just sit down and regardless of whatever you're feeling, you can feel secure, you can feel healthy. Those are things that I think everybody searches for day to day. Personally, I have been trying very hard for a while now to find those things. And my conclusions have been thus, which is that, at least for me, the single largest obstacle in my way for that kind of peace was probably my attachment to material possessions as they were. And, you know, I'm, and what I kind of learned from that was I think I used to kind of think that detachment from material possessions meant not having any value in them at all. And I think I've kind of learned that that's not exactly what that really means. What it really means, I think, is to just, if you were to lose everything, your response would ideally be, uh, oh, well, and genuinely mean that. You know, like if your house burned down, all your physical stuff is gone, but you're okay, your family is okay, and, you know, you're alive, then ideally you would then have the ability to sort of be like, okay, I'm okay, whatever, you know, like I really didn't, it's the ability to say, I think peace comes at least in part, at least in part, when you can genuinely say, genuinely, very honestly say, I have nothing in the world except myself, and that's all I need. And I'm not saying I've reached that point yet, but I'm kind of, I really do believe that that's the goal, because the closer I get to it, the better I, I am inside. And... So I, I'm just kind of walking down that little imaginary metaphysical road there. And it's been a good journey so far. You know, um, I, I've definitely done some reflecting about, because, you know, in the modern uh, societies in which we all live, uh, I've talked about this before, but I'll kind of say it again. There is very much a deep focus and underlying value for the pursuit of acquisition of things, of financial success, and of material accumulation. And it's easy to see why, because when you examine human history, one thing I think in our, you really remember is that there was a point in life when Everybody was very scared all of the time, you know, and, you know, there was a point when 
20,000 years ago, the only things we really had were each other and the knowledge that we got from our immediate families and whatever was inside of ourselves. And everything else was kind of just, you know, nature being nature. It's like, well, this can either help us out amazingly or it will kill us. And it's usually one of the two, you know. Nature is either like, well, we'll find a use with nature. It's either you find a use for it or it kills you. And that's, it's usually one or the other. That's what I kind of love about nature. It's like, you, you know, it's ulti- it's kind of the ultimate risk reward environment. And I think a very interesting thing happened 10,000 years ago, which is that humanity came to a point where we said, you know, we don't want to do this incredibly high risk, high reward lifestyle anymore. Now what we want to do is we want to build something with all these sort of concrete limitations, all of these rules, all of these laws, all of these ideas of constraint and rationality, air quotes, that allows us to sort of live between the middle of those two extremes, between pure helpfulness and dying. You know, I think humanity 10,000 years ago tried to create a sense of normalcy where before I don't know that, at least in the way we modernly think of it, there was one. That's something I, I've been thinking about lately. Because if you live your entire life, you know, just like you and like at max like 15 other people, you know, and you're just scavenger hunters who move around a lot and, you know, do your best to just not die in the forest, you know, I, I end up thinking, well, your psychological profile is probably going to be very different from that of the modern human, you know. For one, you're probably going to be – I don't know that humans 20,000 years ago knew what being bored meant, you know. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure they were either incredibly excited all the time because when you're out in the woods with basically just homemade clothes on and knowledge that like you have very little security in the world, if any, your emotions are probably either – incredibly you're probably just very high all the time you probably are either on hyper vigilance mode immediate panic mode or like extreme passion mode i don't think humans 20,000 years ago really like did anything half measure i don't think you, they could have or else they would have died and i say i say 20,000 years ago but the more i think about it it's it's probably a lot longer than that you know I've, I've really been thinking lately about how the modern human psychology must be a very recent development you know i really don't know that the way humans think nowadays is even remotely similar to how we have done it for most of our history because really humans have been around i mean you know the modern humans relatively young but like us and then our ancestors and their ancestors, which were, you know, funky fucking monkey things, our great, great, whatever, grandparent monkey things, they 
you know, pure instinct most of the time. And frankly, it kind of seems like they did better off for them because, you know, they didn't global warming the planet. So at least, at least they did one thing, you know, and it, it basically it begs the question, I think to myself of are are modern humans mentally healthy? And that's a question I think everyone who might listen to this is like, well, uh, I don't know. And it, well, it's it's hard to say, isn't it? Because when you because ten thousand years ago, humans basically completely changed the rules of their environment, uh, the environment that they had been living in for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, they basically altered it fundamentally for the next 10,000. We've been living in an environment of our own creation for 10,000 years. And that, I think, poses some very interesting philosophical slash psychological questions about how human psychology has evolved to that. You know, it's, it's like what happens when a species one day decides, well, not actually one day, but, you know, relatively one day decides to create an entirely new environment out of its old environment with entirely different rules, philosophies of design, makeup, aesthetics, et cetera, and then live in that. Because that's what we did 10,000 years ago. We basically decided, hey, this is how we've been living for a very, 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 very long time. Let's completely change the rules because we think that's going to be better. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure that was better. I mean, I'm not entirely against the notion that it was. Okay, here's what I will say: ten thousand years ago, things that did not exist. Uh, there were no nukes. There were no massive, massive wars because everyone was just kind of, well, maybe like 20,000 years ago. There were no like massive, massive wars because everyone was just kind of tribal and like moved in small groups. And because, you know, the human population was a lot lower, you couldn't really afford to have big wars like we can have now. So there were benefits, I would say. Uh, There were also obviously big downsides, which is, you know, you, you died a lot easier than you do now. Well, at least, hmm, I guess it depends on your your circumstances. I mean, technically speaking, if we're, if we're going to compare, like, the worst situations of modern, air quotes, civilized society to the worst stuff that happened in 20,000 B.C. small tribal society... I won't lie, I kind of feel like modern society has done much more horrible things, you know? Like, I'm not saying that atrocities didn't happen 20,000 years ago. I'm sure they did. But I think the thing we kind of didn't predict with that huge environment change that we decided to do was that we might have given ourselves what we wanted but not what we needed. And this is a point that I want to emphasize I am not sure about, and I am not 
testing to know the entirety of what the human species needs. I'm just a random fucker on the internet who's just like has some random thoughts sometimes and would like to share those random thoughts with you. But sometimes I wonder if the concept of a bunch of people living under a series of agreed-upon rules in a small area with established infrastructure and established hierarchy and ritual, all designed at keeping those people safe, happy, and well-fed, was kind of a bad idea. Because, frankly, I don't love the world we live in, and I don't love the world that has existed for the last 10,000 years. I can't guarantee the one before it was better. In fact, I'm almost certain it wasn't. But I think it might have been more honest, question mark? Or at the very least, it might have been a world that prioritized the right things, but did them horribly. Whereas our modern world is a world that prioritizes all the wrong things and does them really, really well. I kind of just think we have always been dirty, sweaty, horny, little, weird, little animal people. And the convention of, air quotes, society that we created 10,000 years ago ultimately is based on a philosophy that we are not that thing. We are not sweaty, horny, little monkey animal things. That's what I think the premise of Sumer and other places like it was, that we can and should be something more than that. And I don't know that that's... In fact, I'm almost certain that that was a bunch of bullshit. I mean, for one, it's kind of really speciesist to imply that, you know, every other animal in the world is inferior to humans, which kind of society, at least as we've established it, all fundamentally does. So, you know, it's there. there's that. There's also the fact that, I mean... We, we are just kind of weird little horny monkey animal things. Like, that's not really a, in dispute. And the idea of becoming more implies that what, that what we were before was there was anything wrong with that or that there was anything to not appreciate in that. And maybe we were actually amazing and very wonderful as the gross little monkey things we were. And then we had sort of a massive panic attack and we were like, wait a second, we're really scared, mostly of ourselves. What if we what if what if we try to protect ourselves from ourselves? And that I think is the philosophy of society for the past ten thousand years. I think a lot of society, really all of it, is fundamentally designed at the philosophy of you can you can and should protect people from themselves. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it. I don't really know that... You, I don't I don't think you can protect people from themselves. And 
I understand the desire to. I really do. Because people are terrifying. But I think the concept that we can just put a bunch of laws in place and make up a bunch of positions and let some human... I think all of society is mostly humans having a panic attack and being terrified of themselves and hoping that there's a way they can just negate the risk of being human. And I don't, I don't, I don't think there is. I think that the really terrifying thing about the world is that if you want it to be good and better, your real only option is to, to make people better. Like, I, I understand the possible, like I, because all society is, is made up stuff that exists in our head. And that's it. Society isn't real, quite actually. It is made up. It is not a thing that, you know, is defined by the laws of physics. It is just a dream that humanity dreamt 10,000 years ago, and we have been dreaming ever since. And I don't... And, and it was a well-meaning dream, I think. But maybe it, at the end of the day, has gone too far, and we need to wake the fuck up and be like, well... This is just a dream. What are we really? Oh yeah, we're a bunch of weird horny animal monkey things who are just really emotionally upset. And maybe on that context, on the horny animal monkey emotionally upset context, is the only context of which we are actually capable of, you know, improving ourselves. Maybe the reason... That 10,000 years of societal evolution has led us to a world of still incredible inequality and nuclear weapons and global warming and so many, so many, so many, so many, so many other horrible things is because the concept of fixing society isn't real because society isn't real. There's nothing to fix and so your efforts to fix it are also not real. And so if you want to make a world without all those terrible things, your really only option, and this is kind of a really terrifying, I think, maybe truth, is that you just have to heal people and help them grow. And that's it. And that's horrifying to admit because I think we all know how incredible... It's a lot easier to make society better than it is to make most people on the planet better but the thing is society isn't real so we can't make it better we really can only make people better or i guess i should say healthier is a better word we can't make society healthier because society isn't real but we can make people healthier because people are real and I think the past 10,000 years has been us being very afraid to admit that truth that you can't, you can't make the world a better place with laws or new governments 
or new pieces of paper because none of those things matter and none of those things are real. The terrifying, terrifying, terrifying truth is that if you want a healthier world to live in, you got to work on people, <laughs> which is a task so monumentally difficult that even the conception of it kind of makes me want to vomit. But also, we live in a world where the true things are almost always the really scary things, and the lies are almost always the very comforting things. And to me, the idea that the world can be made better with laws is very comforting. The idea that the world can only be made better through people is very terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> Follow that train of logic. I am just a random fucker on the internet. I really am. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not thinking anything anyone hasn't thought before. I'm pretty sure every thought, every thought has been thought at least a million times before. But I think the trick is getting it thought enough all at once to make it have real power and significance in the visible world. So here's me, one tiny little voice amongst an infinite ocean of voices, just adding my droplet to the ocean and whew, excuse me, hoping that it means something. Eh, I mean, I like doing it. It helps with my therapy. It, it's good therapy for me, this little thing I'm doing. I don't know. It's good to get all your existential thoughts out into the physical words, I think. Because if you let that shit stew in your brain, you'll go insane. It's not good. You should... You, you sh It's important to get high and have existential talks with your friends. It's very health healthy, I think. <laughs> you know, if everyone knows what I'm, I'm talking about there. Oh. Well, that's it for this episode. I will make no promises when the next one will be. And I'm going to just kind of be a very unprofessional podcaster and be like, I'll expect you all to be fine with that. <laughs> and if you're not, that's fine. You don't have to be fine with it. But I make no promises that I'll do anything about it. I might, but I might not. We shall see. Um if you want to listen, you can spread my podcast around. Uh, it is on YouTube now. It's at Out of Dreaming Mind on YouTube. You can find them there. Uh, if you would like to rewatch them without having to go through the, the websites and the many other podcasting platforms on which it is on. If you would like to do that, you may. I also have my first book still available if anybody would be interested in looking at it or getting it. It is A Starving Spark by Chase Bayliss. It is a weird poetic memoir nonsense about my life. I think it is very heartfelt. I think it will, will tug on those little heartstrings of yours and make you feel things, and that's pretty good. So... If you would like to do that, you may do that. And if you don't, that's fine. you got a life to live. I don't expect that much of your time. Uh, but anyway, uh, 
it was nice chatting with you all again randomly six months later. Uh, I, 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 uh, you all have a good night. Don't have too many bad poops. Eat plenty of veggies and other such things. And I will see you all when I see you. Bye.